Common sense is not so common. And in an era where global uncertainty is rampant and government is out of control, this is the show making sense of all the madness. Broadcasting live from the Arizona desert, you can't dodge the Hodge. Here's your host, Dave Hodges. Hey everybody, Dave Hodges here in the guest segment of the Common Sense Show. Thank you for staying with us through the intro. And uh, well, we had a lot to say, didn't we? Well, we're going to have a lot more to say here with Patrick Wood. And i got to tell you, just as a matter of history, Pat and I have covered a lot of subjects over the years. And we've even done a fair amount of our barnstorming for justice here in Arizona. And uh, we won't get into all the details, but we've never covered anything like what we're going to talk about today. This is all new to, I think, all of us. This makes Watergate look like recess. Anyway, before we join Pat, let me just remind you, we got to get some business out of the way. And the food supply chain, no matter what's happening politically, is still in jeopardy for the reasons I've already said many, many times. And I'm not going to go through it. I'm just saying, if you know you need food, we have the perfect mechanism right now, the four-week special for MPS with $100 off. So if you were going to accumulate storable pounds of this, I would buy one week, 100 off, or one measure, 100 off, two, another 100 off. If you buy 10 of these, you have 40 weeks of storable food. You've saved $1,000. It's a really great deal. It's the best one out there for restaurant quality food, 25-year shelf life. Go to preparewithdave.com. And let me remind you, we got the TV show up and going strong. And uh, I would encourage you for the, well, really, it's less than a cup of coffee per month. Okay, it's $2.50 a month. We're getting rave reviews. Uh, we're, I've been told on a couple of the platforms we're sending records for membership. So go there and find out what it's all about. We do current events and explore in, deep, in depth. And we do the same thing here on the radio, too. In fact, I asked Pat to come on the radio today. I was thinking about a TV interview, but I wanted to bring Pat on here because we're still about, oh, we estimate 25% above the reach of our TV show, which is just a little over two months old. Uh, but we want to get this message out to as many people as possible. So the commonsenseshow.tv is where you want to be. So that sets the business aside. Now we've got a full shot to the end of this segment. Pat, welcome to the show. And did you ever think you'd be living in times such as these? Hi, Dave. And no, I did not. And I just can't imagine uh, how it could get worse. It probably will. I've thought okay. that. A year ago, two years ago, three years ago, four years ago, you get the idea. It's like every time you turn around, there is more corruption, more shenanigans, more debasing uh, of everything America stands for. It's absolutely incredible. And today is an amazing time. Yeah, I, I don't know. L let me start with a point that I think is really obvious. Trump really won the election and they shut the election down when he was pulling away in the midnight hour in all five swing states. Do you agree with that? I think that's exactly what we saw. Yep. Yeah, that was my take. And then I told you before we came on air, I ran the statistical probabilities I published on my website, what Biden would have to do in all five states while they supposedly were shut down and they weren't shutting down. They were stuffing ballot boxes. But um, And there was nothing less than 63% of the vote that he would have to get in any of those states and that was in North Carolina that was the lowest the greatest odds were in Wisconsin and Pennsylvania mm -hmm. so I, I just am dumbfounded that the election wasn't stopped right then 
Uh, I, exactly. And it wasn't. It wasn't even slowed down. Nobody even questioned the narrative at that point. Uh, of course, the, the media is looking all in the other direction. They're not going to be any help whatsoever. They're, they're exacerbating uh, the lies to try and cover up the corruption that's going on. Well, but, I'll never watch Fox News again. At the critical hour, they were pacifying Americans when the, the voting was uh, counting was stopping. And they had their biggest communists on, from Chris Wallace to Juan Williams. Uh, all the liberals, Brett Baer for Fox News, were on. And you didn't hear from Tucker or Laura Ingram or Sean Hannity. Right. The fix was in right there with Fox. Yep. And then Fox declared Arizona. And you're a fellow Arizona resident with me. What do you make of the Sharpie controversy and it mostly coming to heavy uh, Republican areas uh, where they did the Sharpie? Yes. Well, <clears throat> I, there, there's something definitely fishy in that. I, I haven't probably studied it as much as you, but it sounds absolutely incredible to me that anybody would have, uh, would even think to use a Sharpie on a piece of paper. Everybody knows what a Sharpie does, you know, bleeds through paper. But the fact that uh, that some ballots may have been destroyed, or a lot of them, doesn't matter how many it is, and not allowing those people to correct their ballots is what's really the problem here, in my view. Uh, if they spoiled a ballot, ballot for any reason, they should be able to replace it legitimately and uh, and correct the mistake and get their votes counted. But uh, nobody should be disenfranchised from voting, period. I don't care what they use. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. But, you know, and then we've got this Democratic sheriff, Paul Penzone. Um, people actually showed up at some of the polls. I don't know if you saw this, but I actually had people contact me with video evidence, firsthand witness statements, and they would show up at the polls with black ballpoint pens to pass out to people in line and warn them not to use Sharpies. And then the sheriffs were called on these people, and they were told to cease and desist. I don't know if you heard that or not. I didn't. Nothing would surprise me, though, at, at this point. I, you know, it's just so deep and it's so corrupt. I'll tell you, though, one of the greater things that I worry about, and, well, I don't worry about much these days, I guess, in that sense, but one thing that really bothers me, I've seen several mentions along the way in various elections about software glitches mm -hmm. causing problems uh, like, you know, in the voting machines or whatever. And software glitches, that, that always rings a bell. Uh, in, in my brain because of my background in software engineering. And <clears throat> the very first thing that popped into my mind has been all of the documentation that was released after previous elections on the use of certain intelligence community programs that are used for hacking and hacking into, in particular, voting machines. Um, I went back and reviewed some of this, and there's a little bit of stuff in the, you know, in the floating around in the in the media, in the alternative media right now about the hammer and the and scorecard, which uh, were very very sophisticated programs able to break into machines without the people knowing that they got broken into, and to modify and you know flip votes. And this has happened in the past, documented now. Nobody ever got arrested for it, but it did get documented in the past, and. The left side of this whole election process, as far as anybody knows, still has full access to the Hammer software. I want to. I want answers on that. I, I'm not saying that there's any, you know, anything going on there, but I want to know if the Hammer has any play in this because if it does, that will certainly, you know, explain some of the wild swing we've seen in some yeah. states. 
votes. Well, Pat, my vote would be for the hammer and the sickle. That's what's <laughs> at work here. And sorry for the play on words, but there is a message I'm sending here. This is ultimately what's behind it. I agree with Trump when he said, um, basically he indicated he was a national president uh, for the people. And he said, they're really not after me, meaning the deep state. They're just using me to get to you. That's right. That's exactly right. And he is, he, he, I know you agree with that. Yeah. Um, your understanding of what's going to come next, what do you think? Well, I think that civil unrest is going to be with us for some time regardless of what happens because uh, there's no there's no event there's no no process no thing that seems to satisfy the people who are protesting the antifa for instance like in portland last night they uh, tried to burn down city hall uh, that's their biggest target so far by the way but they didn't succeed that's a good thing but the national guard had to come in and break them up these people are not going away until they're forcibly either put in jail uh, taken out of town and dropped maybe down on the, you know, in the desert in Baja, California or somewhere uh, so that they don't come back into the United States. But uh, they will not quit until they are forcibly, forcibly uh, removed from the scene and forced to quit. So well, I that, see more spreading across the country. And this is a very, uh, these people are absolutely intent on what they're doing, has nothing to do with an issue in particular. They want to destroy the fabric of America, and they are revolutionaries in the same sense that the Bolsheviks uh, revolution took place. They're the same kind of people, same kind of attitude, same kind of destroy everything, scorched earth policy. Uh, and the only way to get rid of these people is just like, like terrorists in the Mideast. The only way to get rid of them is just to carpet bomb them in the end of it. You know, just really take them out and get them out of there. Well, you kind of answered my question, I think. So let me be really clear by asking it. When you're engaged um, as a private person in life-threatening activities like firebombing a business that could have people in it, you know, firebombing cop cars, uh, you're engaged in what could be deadly behavior. Yes. Isn't law enforcement duty-bound and within their rights, certainly, to apply lethal force to stop the threat to public life? Uh, in, in normal circumstances, they are, certainly and clearly. In Portland, no. <laughs> in some big cities like Baltimore and Philadelphia, no. Mm -hmm. They don't do that. That, that was the big thing about defund the, the police, you know, make the police stand down and let the rioters just do what they want to do, and maybe they'll burn out. Well, they never burn out. They're not mm -hmm. going to burn until somebody steps in and forcibly, uh, you know, causes them to quit. Uh, that could be arrest. It could be long prison sentences for, uh, you know, for sedition, for uh, trying to overthrow the government, you name it. But uh, none of that's taken place, Dave. That's, that's my point. You're right. None of it's taken place. It's time. Yes, it is. And I'm it's not fine. violent. You've never heard me advocate for violence, but in defense of someone's life, that's legitimate and it's biblical. It is. And I don't want to, be, I personally don't want to be involved in violence. I mean, that just doesn't, you know, we have police, we have law enforcement that's mm -hmm. supposed to do those things. And even the, even the, uh, the military is you know, supposed to protect us from insurrection outside and inside our country. Uh, there's all kinds of forces we have at our disposal that should be taking care of this problem. And it does not, it should not require uh, the people to raise up vigilante troops, if you will, or vigilante militias to take care of a problem like this. That, that could lead, even though it may be perfectly right ideologically, that could lead to a lot more problems than what we have right now, including just outright civil war. So it's kind of a no-win, you know, kind of a no-win situation right now. Yeah, you're right. You know, one thing I forgot to mention, and I'm going to put it on an article I write tomorrow. It could be about bubble gum, and I'm still putting this on. 
I got a communication from the president's lawyers, and they asked me specifically uh, to put up this notice on my website, which I'm going to do tomorrow. I got this uh, later today after I was done publishing, and I need to attach it to an article. So um, it says uh, they want information on the use of Sharpies that you may have been involved in, and they want your precinct polling place and your state. Mm -hmm. So you know what this tells me, Pat? This Sharpie mm-hmm. thing is not just an Arizona thing. It's a national thing. It does tell you. Yep, it would. So they gave me a 202 phone number to, to post. So, um, And there's one other thing, too, I'll, I'll run by you. And I can tell you half the story, and I'm sworn to silence on the other half. The postmaster, and his name jumps out of my head now, in Ash Fork is on leave. Ah. And, and he's on and Have you heard this? Yes, I did. Okay, let me say it for the public benefit. Yep. And then correct me with anything you have is a little different or, or adds to the story. But he's on leave because the union was pressuring him to participate in the changing of votes yeah. from Biden to Trump, and he refused to do it. Yes. Yeah. Am I being accurate, complete, and thorough? I think, I think you're being accurate. And I have to, it's sad to say that the post office generally is in hot water, I think, all across the country. There have been individual people within the post office. I'm not sure that it's systemic coming from the top down, but there have been people in the post office that took it upon themselves to act in a rogue basis, if you will, to either change votes or to destroy destroy, um, ballots or to misdirect ballots to be printed. There was one other whistleblower that came forward and said that his post office was uh, hand stamping votes after the deadline that they're supposed to be received uh, hand stamping them for the day before and delivering them to the election bureau. Absolute violation of the law. Blatant uh, breaking of the law. This was done at the post office. And, uh, you know, I've even had problems with the post office with Citizens for Free Speech. Uh, you know, things being delivered and stuff in the past where where we know that stuff is being slow walked. Uh, in some cases, it just disappears. Um, it, it's absolutely incredible. You would never think that an organization, a statical, stodgy organization like the post office, would take such sides in political issues. Yet they have. And they're not trustworthy anymore. They're absolutely untrustworthy. And there probably should be an audit from the top down on the post office and say, anybody that participated in any hinky-pinky stuff is just gone, fired right now. Clear your desk and walk out the door. No pension for you. Is it true that Esper resigned? I only read that he has uh, sub- that he was uh, preparing a uh, letter of resignation. I, I never saw it. I, I don't know any more now. Okay. You're in the same ballpark I am. Yep. Um, I knew it was imminent, but, I, I, but the person who shared this with me told me uh, that they did not know the reason. Yeah. I mm-hmm. can tell you I think I know the reason. Well, is he on Trump's side or not? No. Okay. I think he's worried about Trump winning. Yeah. And and I think he's resigning to join the other side and get their protection. And yeah. the reason I say it is he um, was really clear. And I got to be careful. I want to choose my words correctly because I'm not sure of his exact verbiage. But to the effect that he was saying that um, he would discourage the military from enforcing the rule of law with regard to the election. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I'm paraphrasing here, but that that was my take. I don't know. Are you familiar with him making any such statements? 
No, I haven't seen that, Dave. Nothing would surprise me anymore. You know, Trump has had so many enemies around him that he thought were close confidants. And I don't know if you could say he got suckered, if he got pressured. Who knows? Or they got bought off. But yeah, they got or they got bought off along the way. But the the fact is, Trump has had the worst possible people uh, that served in the very closest capacity to him that had the ability to knife him in the back at every turn. And they have. You know, they've done it. They fought him every every step of the way. What would you do right now if you were Trump? I think I would prepare some arrest warrants. <laughs> Honestly, there are a lot of people that need to be uh, that need to be arrested, in my opinion. And of course, the court would figure out whether you know what the guilt is and stuff. But I think there's enough. I think there's enough vote corruption around the country. This is a serious crime, Dave. This is not just, oh, ha-ha, you know, wink-wink, we just made a mistake or something. This is not some kind of, uh, you know, namby-pamby misdemeanor. These are serious, serious felonies committed against this, the, our country. And somebody really needs to be held accountable for this. And, you know, you say, who's the party of dirty tricks? Well, it's, you know, at this point, it's the liberals. It, have they had a change of heart to where they're not going to do any more dirty tricks in the future? I don't think so. Are they still doing dirty tricks right now? Well, what what kind of dirty tricks are they capable of? Well, just about anything. We've seen they sunk so low in many other situations. They're, they, they're going to sink low now. This corruption needs to stop. If there is an, anything endemic in our country right now, it is corruption. And it simply needs to stop. And it's not going to stop until somebody brings the cops along and says, you're under arrest. And whether you like that or not, or think we should arrest you or not, you're going to stand trial and we'll let a jury of your peers figure out once we present the evidence and discover the evidence and put it out on the table and make it transparent for the American people. It's the only way we're going to ever have confidence in our system again. Um, I don't even know if that'll do it. I really don't. I, 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 the, you know, I don't even know if my vote counted. And when you have a constitutional republic and people don't trust the voting system, you That's no right. longer have a constitutional republic. That's exactly right. You have a banana republic. Yeah, I, I said to, today in print, uh, uh, Ilhan Omar is happy because we're operating like we're living under the warlords in Somalia. And that's Yeah, that's about the size of it. I, I'll tell you, honestly, I had the thought the other day, and uh, my wife and I talked about it a little bit, and I talked to a couple, just kind of briefly mentioned it to other people. I think at this point that we ought to call for a re-election from scratch and say there will be polls open in every precinct and you must vote in your own precinct and we will dip your finger in purple ink after you vote so you can't vote twice and we will redo this election quickly efficiently and we will let the people decide who is going to sit in the oval office and for the next four years this current this current situation can't possibly ever be straightened out. There's not enough lawyers in the world to straighten out what's happened. And uh, so, no matter what they do, we're never gonna we're never really gonna learn the truth to where anybody will really you know feel comfortable. Oh yeah, we got that all figured out. Now we know what happened. That's not gonna happen. So, I and I also know that a re-election isn't gonna happen. But I think at this point, if if Trump were to stand up and say uh, he's declaring the entire uh, you know, process uh, to be corrupted and irreversible and unrecoverable, and we're going to have 
another election by the people, for the people, and of the people. Like, you know, go down and line up at the polls right now. We'll have the bottle ink ready for you, and you cast your vote for who you want. I think you're right. Uh, there, there's something that someone sent me, and I only gave it a cursory look, and I don't have it in front of me, but is it true there would be enough Republican governors if they acted in unison to not certify the election and force a do-over? They probably could if they acted in concert. And we got Ducey, Mr. Conflict of Interest, with TGen, so I don't see that happening. I don't either. <laughs> you got people like like uh, DeWine in, in Ohio, Republican also. I don't think you're going to see that. No, no, that's, it's a fool's errand. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. In fact, Ducey, here, here's a Ducey-ism for you. you you'll, you'll like this, and I bet you already know. Sheriff Mack and I went to Kingman two weeks ago today. We went up there and spoke to the people about the lockdowns, the unreasonableness of their county commissioners and their mayor, uh, Jen Mad Dog Miles, as they call her, who's now being recalled. And and uh, it was really interesting to note how much enthusiasm there was in Kingman. But I'll tell you, uh, we discovered when we were there and they showed me the documentation that the governor and oh, by the way, the county commissioners admitted to this in public meeting. Uh, the governor is paying care money to the sheriff, to the county commissioners, to the mayor, and they're turning this all into nice office furniture and expenditures for for their for their lavish uh, uh, needs, and uh, that's to keep the lockdown in place in Kingman and Mojave County. Yeah, that's our yeah. governor. Yeah, the one who's on the board of uh, directors for TGen, which is involved in vaccines and Sonora Quest testing. Yep. Yep. Major conflict of interest. Major, and, and so I guess my question is, where's the Attorney General Brnovich of Arizona? Why isn't he filing on Ducey for this conflict of interest? I'd like to put him on the on the on the chair and ask him that very question. I've wondered that. Rhetorical you know, question, though, Pat. <laughs> I know we don't have an answer for that, but I always thought Brnovich was a good straight shooter. But I obviously, too. politics for him trumps anything else. Well, he's not speaking up right now. He should be speaking up. I've heard I've heard a couple of people say that he's going to get involved in the ele- in the election process somehow. I don't know what that would be, but but you would think if he had a constitutional bone in his body, he would be jumping up and down and screaming bloody murder right now. You would think. Shouldn't Ducey and uh, Brnovich, both the uh, governor and attorney general, got after um, Penzone? Let me tell you one more violation of law that Penzone engaged in. Um, on the night of the Sharpie incident, protesters began to gather at the election uh, headquarters for the county, and the media was showing up, and the media was doing their usual derogatory, here are stupid protesters kind of thing, and there were a lot of F-bombs dropped and other inappropriate language, but if you say the blank and blank and media is a bunch of blank and blank and blankens, and, and you're on public property, you're not violating any law, and this mm-hmm. is the same sheriff along with the police chief of Phoenix that three months earlier let Antifa run through downtown Phoenix destroying businesses mostly by minority owners. Right. And that's Paul Penzone, a Democrat sheriff. Shouldn't yes. the attorney general uh, be involved for the intimidation of this legitimate protest? Shouldn't uh, the governor have stepped in and used his authority as well? He should have. He could have and he should have. 
But you know that uh, the Ducey has another agenda. I believe, I believe he has another agenda altogether, and it's not to govern the people of Arizona. What he's, do you think uh, his agenda is? I think he's taking care of his own. In what way? Simple. I think he's taking care of He's feathering his own nest through this whole process. And, you know, the people be damned. He doesn't care about the people, obviously. And he's virtually destroyed our economic system in Arizona so that he can fund his own, you know, get his own whatever out of it. You know, like you said, he's got stock and, you know, testing companies making a bunch of money on testing. It's just it's just simple corruption, Dave. It's not it's not like anything new that's happened. You know, I mean, go back and look at the politics of Chicago. This is just a macrocosm of what's happened in Chicago probably for the last eight decades. <laughs> just pure corruption. Okay, here's what I've been saying to my audience for the last two days. Trump won the election. We know that the election was stolen. We know that. We know we can probably prove a lot of corruption, but getting a judge to, in, in each state to go along with that, in all six states, including Nevada, and now Arizona, so seven states, getting a judge in each state to go along with that's problematic. Yes, do you agree is. with that? Why or why not? It is. I do agree with it because there are just too many judges that won't touch us with a 10-foot stick. They're just not going to put their career on the line to get involved. That's sad. But, you know, all, all the way around, Dave, we need people who got some backbone. That's all. I don't care if it's state legislators or if it's attorney general like Brnovich. I, it just doesn't matter. We need people who have spine to stand up to this stuff and say, we're not doing this anymore. And, and mm -hmm. if it comes to personal cost, you have to count that cost and do mm -hmm. it anyway. Ducey is termed out as governor. Do you think he's looking at himself for doing this as I'll come back and run for the Senate? I wouldn't be shocked at all if he came back and ran for president. No. Yes. Mr. Roscoe himself? I wouldn't. I would not be surprised. Do you know, do you know what I mean by that comment, Pat? Uh, Mr. Roscoe, no. The New Times, I know they're not always credible, but I know the author that did the research for this and she was on the Arizona editorial board for the Arizona Republic when we were having our trouble with McCain and she was on my side yeah. and I thought she was a pretty good journalist she did some reaching into Ducey she claims that Ducey changed his name and he used to be Doug Roscoe of the yeah. Roscoe crime family yeah. That's, yeah, that's been documented I think. Yeah. So, so you know about this I do. I know about that. I, didn't, I forgot the name Roscoe, but yeah. And then, and then uh, when he came here, he was allegedly hired by the Hensley family, and I think that speaks for itself. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you people listening around the country, we're doing the Arizona analysis of criminal corruption on oh. a micro scale, but this is going on everywhere. If you're in Ohio, it's happening with DeWine. Yes. Um, it is. Yeah, exactly right. And, and it's happening in Texas with Abbott who's got yeah. big pharma connections, as we're finding out. Yes. You know about that, too? Yes, indeed. Is there anything you don't know, Pat? The, the, <laughs> thing, about, the thing about corruption in Chicago, what kind of came out of that, and that's kind of where the whole idea of Gotham came from, with, with Marvel yeah. Comics, by the way. Everybody was in everybody else's pocket, and you never knew whose pocket it was. You know, But you knew somebody was always in somebody else's pocket, 
And so as you go through life in Chicago, we're navigating the political system. You get surprised all the time that somebody bought somebody else off and they bought somebody else off and they formed little, you know, corruption networks and stuff where one protects another and, you know, shuns a bunch of people over here. It, it was just legendary. And this is exactly what we see happening across our country right now. Everybody that can get their hand into somebody else's pocket has done so. It, we, you and I just don't know where all those hands are and in whose pockets they're in. But we look at people like Ducey and, uh, you know, people in our, in our kind of our, the, the governance of our, our state. You see the same kind of thing. And it, every once in a while you see a, a headline will come out that so-and-so got exposed for, you know, for bribery or for corruption or something, a money laundering. And you go, oh, gee, I didn't know about that. You know, how could that be? And it's like, well, okay, one just got exposed. That's all. Just one little cog in the wheel got exposed. <laughs> and everybody's shocked. <gasps> I can't imagine how that could be. A nice man he was. <laughs> yeah, kind of like the Marshall Islands babies thing. Yes, yes. Who would have ever thought a clean-cut young man like that that would, you know, whoever, who would have thought he would run a baby operation? child trafficking operation right under everybody's noses in Arizona. Who would have thought it? But he wasn't alone. He was 70000 a year and he was setting them up in houses and provided delivery for the mother and hospitals. Major money was behind this. Plus the transport of these women from the Marshall Islands to Phoenix. Yes. Um, a business it, operation it, of the highest caliber. Well, Who was the state senator here who said he had been threatened with murder for exposing the fact that Child Protective Services had trafficked out over 500 kids. Well, that was Mr. Farnsworth. Farnsworth. That's right, Farnsworth. And then the lady, what was her name, Brophy something? Mm -hmm. She was the one who allegedly threatened him. Yep, that's uh, right. And she was the overseer in the state Senate for CPS. Yep, she told him to back off or else. Or else, exactly. Mm -hmm. And he went public. Now, at that same time, uh, state senators or ex-state senators in Oklahoma and Kansas were murdered. I know. And they were making the same allegations. Yes. Um, let me tell you who provided cover, in my humble opinion, for this Marshall Islands operation, which was last year, folks. It wasn't that long ago. Um, I believe the governor's office and the county attorney, Maricopa County, provided assistance to let this guy go. And by the way, you know they never filed any charges on him? Oh, really? They, I did dropped, not... they, they dropped the charges. Holy mackerel. So they, they pinned one guy, used him as the scapegoat, and then when the media attention went away, they dropped the charges. Wow. And, Incredible. folks, this is how corrupt we are in Arizona. You are just as corrupt in your state unless you live in South Dakota with Christine Nome. <laughs> yep. Your, your opinion on the Republican Party, and let me give you a starting point to answer this. Trump did a lot to get people reelected. Uh, he worked tirelessly in this campaign, not just for himself, but for the party. And now that Trump is in need, where are the Republicans? They're gone. They're gone. They won't even come in defense of him in the press. The no, no. In fact, Romney, who's implicated in Ukraine, and I stand on firm ground, we have the Scrib documents on this. My researcher, Alexander Daly. Um, he is involved in Ukraine. And Romney came out today and said Trump is discrediting the presidency by challenging the election. Wait a minute. If you have a legal means to challenge something and it's not outside the norm, why is it a discrediting action? 
Yeah, that's just prop that's propaganda. It's ridiculous. On the surface of it, it's ridiculous. People should just reject that kind of thinking offhand. Um, a president, by definition, I mean, we elect the people are supposed to elect the president. We want a president that maintains the rule of law. That is honestly, that's really all we really require. If the rule of law was was put in place like it's supposed to be in our country, none of this stuff would happen. But there's a there's a set of laws for you and me, and there's a set of laws for these other people. This this is what's this is really kind of the root of what's wrong in America right now. Basically, yeah. you and I would be sitting in jail right now for yes. you know even a tenth of the crimes that most of these a lot of these people have committed. If we had done one of Hillary's emails, we'd both be in jail. Absolutely. She did thirty three thousand. Um, along those lines, though, you know, it's kind of like rules for thee, but not for me. Um, as we look to go forward, because I do think Trump is going to leave office. I think he's not going to have a choice. Um, what do, since we don't have a Republican Party that will stand with us, um, what options do we have? We don't have big tech. We, we won't be able to post the truth on big tech. Uh, mainstream media, no way. Um, in fact, Pat, let me preface it by saying, tell you about a podcast I did. I, I, I started with the Battle of Yorktown and the Revolutionary War uh, to describe how we feel. And then I talked about why, in part, the colonists won. And when Cornwallis surrendered at Yorktown, they played the song, uh, The World Turned Upside Down, which is how most of us feel right now. Can't believe that Trump lost to a dementia candidate. Right. Okay, so if you look at the colonists controlled the local newspapers. The colonists controlled the committees of correspondence when Britain tried to get tough after the Boston Tea Party. In other words, they controlled the media. And today, the media, big tech, all that, it's against us. It's against the people. It's against the average citizen who supports the Constitution in America. It's all globalist-oriented. So knowing that those who control the media control the high ground and they're going to win a nonviolent or a violent revolution in most cases, knowing that we don't have any of that, what do we have available to us? What can we do, Pat, going forward? Well, the only the only voice we have left at this point is is conservative talk radio and certain alternative media uh, presence, like yourself. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Otherwise, we have lost all of the means of TV communication, of radio communica communication outside of the conservative talk show uh, world. And this is this is the last thing. The rest of the rest of intelligence, the rest of the documentation, if you will, has been censored into oblivion. This is equivalent to book burning. Yes, uh, it is. In previous revolutions, we saw it in Russia, we saw it in, in Germany, we saw it in Mozambique and, and Rhodesia. Uh, we've seen it throughout the uh, throughout you know China. Every single revolution, the first thing they did when they came in, you know, killing people on the way, of course, is they grabbed all the radio, they grabbed any TV, they grabbed all the all the newspapers, the national newspapers, and they shut them down and they turned them into propaganda organs, you see. Then they went out and started killing the people because there was no way they could communicate or, or even figure out that they needed to run from the troops that were coming. So this is an electronic age we have today. We're not going to have any book burning today. We're not going to have troops walking into a TV station and take it over and say, we're in charge now and start, you know, shooting up the monitors. It's not going to happen that way. This has been a soft revolution where all these big media 
and other companies that are complicit in it, but not just it's not just social media and not just Google. There's lots of companies involved. Um, they have effectively engaged in electronic book burning to where everything has been removed that they want removed. The entire alternative narrative has just been removed from our view. We can't get it anymore, and it's going to get worse. But this is what this is what we're fighting. And I wish it were only Facebook or Twitter or Google that we have to deal with, but it's not. Uh, organizations like MailChimp, for instance, you know MailChimp, they're the big uh, email provider for that a lot of companies use, especially people like you and me. They are dropping accounts of people that they disagree with, depending on the content of the emails that they send out. Yeah, let, let me ask you a question. Are, are you taking preventative action by re retaining your mail list? Oh, yes, I am. So is my webmaster. He does it every day. Yeah, I'm well aware of the MailChimp threat. And, yep. and by the way, you know what their guideline is to take you down? If you put out misleading information. Misleading to who? Some 19-year-old, right. 20-year-old pimply-faced kid who's monitoring it, and yep. they don't know anything about anything? They would, that's right. That's exactly it. And, they, of course, they rely on the, quote-unquote, the fact checkers. And you and I have both been profiled by the fact checkers as being completely off the wall, right? So, they, mm -hmm. you know, they look at that, oh yeah, that guy's off the wall, let's get rid of him. They don't otherwise have any really caught, real cause to get rid of him, they just do it. But it doesn't stop there. You've got company, companies like PayPal and Stripe and MasterCard Visa and, and GoFundMe that are dropping people left and right, cutting them off at the knees to their source of income, their source of, you know, receiving donations. This is incredible. I, I just read an article that the, 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 the data expert that um, has been with Trump for years, whatever, he's trying to do an investigation uh, into the voting potential voting fraud. He thinks he's discovered a way to do it. Uh, he can't get the money from the GOP, so he put up a GoFundMe account, and he raised inst almost instantly raised $150,000 uh, to buy the data necessary to prove that there's voter fraud in, like, Michigan and Wisconsin, et cetera. And so all the money's sitting there. He's ready to go. Time is of the essence. And what does GoFundMe do? They put a block on the account and they say, we're holding your funds. Goodbye. How can they do that? That's illegal. Dave, honestly, there's no legal precedent for them to do that whatsoever. It's just as illegal as the day is long. It's not their money to do that with. No, they it's think not. They have the, some God-given right to hold on to the money. You can't have that money because you are a bad person like what I mean so it's not all I'm saying is look it's not just Twitter it's not just Facebook this goes so deep into the corporate world right now there's full of technocrats by the way that we're gonna, uh, we're gonna get to that in a minute but Pat tell me about MasterCard and Visa in this I wasn't aware of that they have censored people for some time now it isn't as widespread as the censorship we see at um, uh, that we see at, um, uh, like at, you know, Twitter, which always makes the news when somebody gets blocked out of Twitter. But MasterCard and Visa has censored several people over the last few years who they disagreed with. And I have to say, in the beginning, some of the fluff was that they refused to allow pornography sites to take money, process money through their, um, you know, through their, uh, their, their financing methods. And I won't even comment on that. I'm not, I'm anti-pornography, generally speaking, and I, I wish none of them existed. But on the other hand, 
that's a slippery slope. And so other other conservative organizations have been cut off at the knees. Stripe has done the same thing in some cases, where they just say you can't, you you know, we will not process your payments anymore. And you know, it's a huge inconvenience for anybody that relied on these services to have to go find another one. And really, knowing that you may get nailed again. Laura Loomer, by the way, got dropped by PayPal some months ago. She lost her election, as you might have noticed. Yeah, what happened to her uh, money? I don't know if she ever got it or not. But she used PayPal as a source of funding. You know, when these companies do this, the argument's been made that if big tech is censoring a candidate in an election, they're guilty of election meddling. Mm-hmm. You know, right. and let's return to one other thing you said, and then I want to get into technocracy. Uh, basically, you know the old saying: where you burn books, you'll soon you'll soon burn people. Yep. So let me ask you to put the crystal ball on the desk out in front of you. If Biden and Harris get in, primarily Harris, will we see purges similar to what other Bolshevik revolutions have done? Well, it's hard to say what the nature of the purge will be. Uh, so far, we, you know, the things we've just been talking about, the media, the, you know, been taken over and the censorship and stuff, that's a soft purge. It hurts like crazy to those who are purged, but basically they're just kind of X'd out of society. They're, they're canceled out. They can't operate anymore. And um, times are different today than they were 50 or 100 years ago. So will there be a physical purge of people? Uh, by somebody like uh, like Harris, I probably would kind of tend to doubt it a little bit, only for the reason that the technology now exists to simply check a box and throw somebody out of society where they can't be a threat to you anymore. <laughs> and if they can't be a threat to you, that's all that's all they care about. You're you're just you're in other words, you're killed electronically. <laughs> wow. You know, I want to touch technocracy briefly, but Pat, I want to have you on in the next two weeks because I want to get into this in depth with what you see going forward. A lot of people feel that when Biden goes, um, Bernie Sanders will be the vice president. Good chance of that. Uh, you know, you can't, of course, can't, you know, say it for sure until we get there. But the the rules of the of succession are if uh, if the president leaves for any reason and the vice president steps into his position uh, in her case uh, this case Harris she would have the right to pick a vice president no vote needed uh, they have to be confirmed by the by the Senate but uh, otherwise she gets to pick a vice president and completely circumvent the uh, the electoral process so that's a very very dangerous situation to get into with somebody like that and yeah a lot of like, people say Hillary, but I don't see two cackling hands coexisting. I don't think so either. There, I, I think it would be way too competitive. There would be a civil war in their own camp. Or, yes, you know, I agree. Fight. I agree. Yeah. Uh, but that's why Bernie Sanders, to me, Ocasio-Cortez is too divisive. I mean, she went after Biden and Harris for uh, not courting the Hispanic vote enough. She said that today. Yes. So I, I don't see her ingratiating herself to Harris to be chosen, but uh, I think it's either Bernie or Elizabeth Warren. Yes, it, it very well could be, and I and I'll I'll tell you uh, just, just again just just my opinion. Um, 
you're dealing with some of the most vindictive, vicious people on the face of the planet. And they have a list of enemies that they will intend to crush. And they may not physically crush them. They may not be bloodshed. But there will be, uh, there will be a revenge campaign launched by these people to get rid of those who they feel cross them one way or another. Well, you're going to be on that list. So what do you think they can do to you? Well, <clears throat> right now you can be canceled six ways to Sunday. You know, I mean, if uh, let, let's just say hypothetically that uh, if uh, if all of your means of collecting money were uh, were dropped on you and your email provider was dropped or they dropped you and all of a sudden you couldn't communicate with all your people. And let's say that your your podcast and or network dropped you uh, and said you can't broadcast on here anymore. Um, you'd be a nobody. You'd just be a nobody out in the middle of nowhere, you know, hopping up and down saying, listen to me. And nobody would be listening that you'd have no audience. You'd just be kind of kind of makes you think forward in the book of Revelation to the mark of the beast, you know? Oh, boy. Yeah. Just like, I, I, how did I know you were going to end there? Pardon? <laughs> I, I could have predicted we would have ended here. <laughs> Probably so. But you know, the, the, we know we know that these people are experts at dirty tricks, and we know that they're vindictive. I mean, just look at Nancy Pelosi. Um, she's just a horrible woman. You cross her, she, she'll just virtually put you six feet under. Um, not necessarily physically, but she'll ruin your career and make sure you don't ever get a job anywhere anymore. Um, you know, these people are going to take, they're going to extract their revenge for what they feel is they've been wrong for so long. And uh, it's going to be ugly, and there's going to be a lot of good people hurt. Well, you know, like uh, Ducey, you know about uh, Pelosi's background, don't you? Uh, tell me. Family background, D'Alessandro family? Oh, yes, 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 exactly, right. Dad right. was uh, mayor of Baltimore, but more importantly, he was organized mafia and the black nobility. Right, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Funny how we see so much of that now. She's a mafia princess with a temper. Yeah. Mixing a little, little uh, dementia, and you've got a real dangerous person. Because um, I, but let me tell you what I do see, Pat. I used to work with um, um, ex-cons and halfway houses trying to get full probation, and I dealt with a lot of substance abuse. And in the two years I did that work, I became pretty good at recognizing the signs. And 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 I think we're seeing in her the beginning of uh, uh, cognitive uh, um, disintegration caused by alcohol a lot of times it ends up in Korsakoff psychosis or something like that but I clearly see her having an alcohol laden problem that's affecting her speech and her mental process oh gosh yes do, do you agree with that too from a layman's perspective I, I know nothing like what you know but I would agree I would agree I didn't know nothing right yeah cause uh, I've looked at her and said she's drunk or yeah. she's showing the after I mean even watch her hand sometimes she shows yeah. some of the trembling. So that starts in what they call stage seven of the nine stages, the Jelinek's uh, progression of alcoholism. And uh, you start to shake. So when you shake, what stops the shaking? Well, you do more drinking. So it becomes a vicious cycle. I think that's where she's at right now. Wow. Yeah. You know, there was an article a couple of years ago <clears throat> that came. Somebody did an article on the, um, uh, on the Congress uh, in the White House uh, pharmacy. There's a pharmacy apparently a small pharmacy right there uh, real in walking distance to the Capitol. 
And <clears throat> the guy would not give any names, of course, whatever, but the, 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 the journalist got out of town. One concern that this guy really had, and that was that he, had, he was delivering Alzheimer's drugs to the Capitol, uh, to somebody in the Capitol, a prescription, a prescription drug. And he wouldn't reveal who it is, and there's probably several people that could, you know, be saved and meet the criteria that have Alzheimer's. But you think that anybody that had Alzheimer's would be automatically excluded from Congress? 25th Amendment. Yeah. I know. Doesn't happen. Disability clause. Well, that kind of begs the point, too, that's starting to come up about term limits. Yeah. We don't need 47 years of someone like Joe Biden. Heaven forbid. You know, God, if he had another 47 years, he'd run out of countries to betray America to. Um, yeah. It, it's just, it's absolutely crazy. Um so at, talk, the, at the end think, of days, go ahead, go ahead, Pat. I think you and I talked one time, maybe it was somebody else. I think, kind of think it was you. <clears throat> we would be better off right now if we sent congressmen and senators to Congress in the same way that we sent citizens to jury trial, to jury duty, where you're simply picked at random out of society. Ooh, I like this. Questioned as to maybe your mental competence or something like that, but you know, a little background check to make sure you're not a career criminal. And you go and serve, just like the draft, you go and serve a two-year stint as a congressman or a senator. That would get rid of 99% of everything we got right now, I'll tell you. It's a great idea. It's one I'm yeah. going to float out there among some people and see if we get any reaction. You know, the other thing I would do, too, and I know it's a fool's errand, but uh, what's really done this country in are to allow corporate donations... Yeah. And if we banned them entirely and had a central pool that each major candidate got to take so much money out of to advertise, yeah. um, we wouldn't be inundated in the media, number one. And number two, um, everyone would have an equal voice, and they yeah. wouldn't have to sell their soul to the corporations at the expense of the people. That's right. That's exactly right. Yeah. And this is something that I'm going to really start to advocate for here. Uh, as we're in the dark days, if we have a Biden-Harris um, regime, um, I, I think there's things we can attack, you know, like term limits, you know, corporate campaign donations, and I'm going to spend my time there. We've got about a minute left, so I want to get a quick answer from you. Um, do you think Trump will force them to remove him physically from the Oval Office? I don't. I don't think it's going to come to that in the end. Um but we'll see. I mean, you know, I could say anything's possible, but every everything's full of surprises right now. But I don't think us. Amen to that, Pat. I want to get you over on the TV show because I want to talk about technocracy from the Biden Harris administration. Well, and uh, so I'll be in touch with you to do that. But uh, this has been uh, on point. By the way, uh, just for the listening audience, before we close very very quickly here. Uh, Pat wrote a book called Trilateral's Over Washington, which is available on his site. I'm going to let you tell him about that in a second. Uh, that was 1980 when I read it, and uh, it really shaped my worldview. And here, I get to interview Pat a lot. Pretty cool. Uh, Pat, tell people how they can find your website and, and what you're well, working on. we got about 30 seconds. Technocracy.news is my professional site, and I encourage everybody to get over to citizensforfreespeech.org and join with us in the battle to yep. save the First Amendment. Uh, yeah. That's my acronym item today, Dave. And I got the citizens uh, thing at the bottom of my newsletter, too, as long as MailChimp doesn't exclude me. Pat, thanks for uh, joining us. Terrific interview, as always, and I'll be in touch. Thanks, Pat. My pleasure, Dave. You're welcome.